deals with themes, languages, and people that may not be suitable for all ages. If you're under 18, parental guidance won't help you here. All right, welcome to Now Open the Podcast, Episode 3. My name is Trisha. My name is Jobim. Hi. I'm Brush. <laughs> so trust us, Jabim is there. You might not see his video, but that's just because his internet is terrible. So don't worry, you'll still be hearing him for the rest of the episode. Okay? I think that so, that increases the quality of the show drastically. <laughs> Jabim, never shortchange yourself. Anyway, you so <laughs> I feel so bad for this podcast. Okay, so um, Christmas, Christmas time is around the corner and I don't know if you guys know this, but Christmas time is literally my favorite time, uh, favorite time of the year. I know Trisha has a problem with Christmas time because one of her, her most hated songs gets played to death, but I love it. And that got me thinking about my favorite Christmas movies, which then got me thinking about my favorite Will Ferrell movies because they're my, one of my favorite Christmas movies is a Will Ferrell movie. So I want to ask you guys, what's your favorite top three? Will Ferrell movies are. Oh my gosh, I can only think of two. Hmm. There are only two good Will Ferrell movies in your opinion? Not a big... Really? Just immediately off the top of my head. I need to Google this. Can you Google I'm not a big fan of Will Ferrell. (laughs) I can't even think of anything. Uh, I can't even think. Definitely. hmm. Will Ferrell movies. Yeah, what are other Will Ferrell movies? Zoolander. I don't know. That's a good one. What about you, Kai? Like, Do you have any I'm favorite blank. Will Ferrell movies? I am blank. This is literally no, the I longest I've ever think had of a to single wait for movie. answers to this question. Because when I ask, it's usually a group Anchorman. of dudes. And groups of dudes usually have their favorite Will Ferrell movies right away. <laughs> Can I ask why? <laughs> no. No. Men. That's why. <laughs> What about you, Jobim? You keep ragging on us for not having any favorite Will Ferrell movies, so it's... Well, I have, I have several, actually. There, well, there's Anchorman, there's Talladega Nights. Um, what is the other one? Oh, The Other Guys, for sure. Blades of Glory. There! Okay, that I like that movie. I and like that Elf. movie. I love Elf. Sorry. Uh, awesome Will Ferrell movie, awesome Christmas movie. But the number one Will Ferrell movie of all time, if you haven't seen it yet, it's, it's the one that the least number of people have seen, I think, of his movies. It's um, Stranger Than Fiction, which tr- I think Trisha mentioned earlier. That was the first one I mentioned because that was the first yeah. Will Ferrell movie I remembered. Oh, that's because it is the best Will Ferrell movie. He plays against type and it is, in my opinion, his best performance, the best story of any movie he's ever been in. And that is what I'm going to use to segue into tonight's topic because there are just some truths that are, in fact, 
Stranger Than Fiction, which is why tonight on the show we are going to be discussing sex myths that still exist in 2020. Awesome. Great segue. Yeah, I know. It was like, <laughs> the best I could come up with. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> master of segues. Anyway, so, um, I thought we'd get started with the ones that everybody's always wondering about. These seem to change with every generation. You know, with, with, uh, ask your parents, their, their versions of this will be different. It's the, you can't get pregnant ifs. Aha. Have you guys heard what are your what are your uh, some of the you can't get pregnant ifs that you guys have heard? The one I just recently got literally 3 weeks ago or 2 weeks ago, somebody asked me if they can get pregnant from dry humping. And I think I was really really tired when I answered it because all I told her for pregnancy to happen, sperm must meet egg. <laughs> I don't think I was being very helpful. <laughs> what about you Kai? My favorite you can't get... Mm. I think... I would have to say... Like... You know, when when I was younger, I used to think that getting fingered would make me pregnant. Like, that, I think that's kind of one of the... One of my favorites. Like, until now, I still have people asking me about this. Like, if I put fingers... In, if, I, if, if my boyfriend puts his fingers inside me, will I get pregnant? And, you know, that's still something I encounter to this day. And as you said, you need a sperm to meet an egg. So I don't even know how to say that in such a way that, like, you know, comes across as not making them feel, like, off-put. But, you know, yeah, there. We got Unless someone's kind of like our... Edward Penis Hands and he can ejaculate through his fingertips. <laughs> and I don't think... So, yeah, we got some good... Uh, suggestions from people watching right now. So just a shout out to Tress and Isabella Padilla. So Tress said, you can't get pregnant if you go jogging after sex. That's apparently something people say. Hmm. Why, why would it help if you go jogging Wait, afterwards? I think because like the sperm get, gets dislodged. I, I don't know. That's just... Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Let it... <laughs> I, I heard in high school that you can't get pregnant if you get the balls at a certain temperature before sex because, like, the, the sperm will wow. be too frozen to swim, right? So you got to dip your nuts in, like, an ice bath. It sounds like it should work. Another one I heard, <laughs> another one I heard was after, after someone ejaculates inside, you have to keep jumping to get the sperm out of your pussy, I think that's related to the running one. Actually, back when I was in high school and just starting to have sex, I would check 4chan for like homemade, uh, what do you call this, uh, contraception thingies. And they, they would have like instructions on how to, what kind of herbs to roll into a thing and then you shove it up the and it was horrible just never never go to 4chan for homemade contraceptives oh, no. you know what? don't make homemade contraceptives they're, they're relatively cheap in mercury drug and probably way better than some herbs <laughs> yeah okay so here are some of the um myths that we can actually debunk some of the more popular ones okay so floating semen in a pool or hot tub 
That's a really popular one. In fact, back when I was in high school, a few of my friends went to the beach and someone, one of them was swimming. And they went underwater and they saw somebody getting a blowjob under the water and they ran out of the, the ocean screaming, everybody get out of the water, fearing that people might get pregnant. Oh, I would hate to be that guy. Oh. So yeah, you can't get I remember that one Glee episode. Donut Finn and uh, what's her name? Santana. No, uh, Quinn. Blonde. Yeah, Quinn. The, yeah, the blonde one. Oh, because she was. Isn't that how she got pregnant? Like they. She was cheating on him, so she told her boyfriend that she got pregnant that one time when they were in a hot tub making out, and he ejaculated prematurely or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, that's obviously not true, right, Chipper? Yeah, so you cannot get pregnant from like being near a penis that ejaculates into the water in a hot tub or a jacuzzi. No matter how much that water moves no around due to the jets, you are not getting impregnated by some water. Especially if it's like chlorinated <laughs> water. Nope, actually, yeah. that's, uh, that's another thing. That's another uh, sex myth. Chlorine will not kill uh, sperm. If you... If you fuck in a hot tub or in a chlorinated pool, if you ejaculate inside her vagina, chlorine will not will not affect your sperm whatsoever. Well, definitely because the chlorine isn't inside the vagina. But I feel like if you had a petri dish and you had some sperm and you put chlorine on it, because like if you're ejaculated into a pool that's chlorinated. Besides the fact that that's completely impossible, the chlorine would totally kill the sperm anyway. Sorry, I just right? got completely disconnected. I'm, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all right. Let's we can move on to well, right. another sex myth. To... Okay, another sex myth. Um, oral sex, obviously, you cannot get pregnant from. Uh, that would have been mm. dangerous if it if you could. Man, I know there are a lot of people who get worried about getting wow. somebody pregnant if they pull out and come somewhere near a vagina. You can't get somebody pregnant from coming near a vagina. Right. But if you, the vagina you is wet and you come on it, sure, you can get somebody pregnant that way. But if you come around it, like it's, it's not even connected by wetness, then it's highly unlikely. Not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. How long does come? Like, um, how long does how long does sperm stay alive when it's been ejaculated? Okay, see, like so the shelf life of sperm depends okay. on... It's kind of like COVID. <laughs> it depends on a lot of things. The humidity, the temperature, sunlight. Okay. I think we do need a disclaimer about that, though. Um, if you pull out and you come outside a vagina, technically, yeah, you can't get pregnant. But there is sperm in pre-cum. And sometimes guys don't pull out as fast as they think they do. So I have a cousin who has ten panganais because the pull-out method is his only method of choice. Ooh. Okay, so here's, here's something that sounds like a myth, but it's actually fact. We're often told that the pull-out method isn't anywhere near as good as using condoms, right? You've heard this. Mm-hmm. But that's not exactly true. That's a bit of information that's pushed by like um, celibacy advocates because. Did Jibim just Hello? cut up? Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay, hey. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, used by celibacy advocates because uh, using condoms is the only is the most effective 
uh, contraceptive to preventing STIs. But in actuality, pulling out and using condoms have more or less the same efficiency rate at preventing pregnancies. That's really interesting. Hmm. Is it because, not necessarily because of condoms inherently, but when you say effectivity rate, you have to take into consideration human error. So when yes. you say it's not as effective, mm -hmm. it's because yeah. people don't use condoms properly. People don't use condoms right. properly and people don't use the pullout method properly. That's true. But how do you do it properly, Jabem? Okay, so the correct way to do the pullout method is to make sure that you haven't like come recently because uh, living sperm can live in your vas deferens for, I think, several hours after you have your last ejaculation. So it's ideal that you either didn't come recently or have peed several times to clear your vas deferens to make sure that there isn't any residual sperm there the next time you ejaculate. Wow. Is this based on personal wow. experience, Jupiter? like... This is based on me being a really anal teenager and trying to make sure I don't knock anybody up. Were you successful? <laughs> I was successful, yes. I was. Did you I do don't that have right? any children that I do not know of. All right, all right. As far so as maybe there is something to your, what you're saying. <laughs> but to everyone watching us, just use condoms anyway. Yes, dude, like there's... Condoms get a bad rap because they say, oh, it's not, it, condoms are not as effective as abstinence. But I mean, condoms are pretty fucking effective, dude. And nothing's as effective as abstinence. That's a high bar. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know, some people's faces. They're, <laughs> but that's, that's not for me to say. Okay, um, here are some ways that you can get pregnant. Uh, I already mentioned having sex in the water in a jacuzzi. Chlorinated water is not going to save you. There's also that myth that you can't get pregnant if it's your first time. Ladies, gentlemen, yes, you definitely can't get pregnant if it's your first time. You only need one time. You it, All it takes is one. Just, it, getting pregnant is like Highlander. There can only be one, and then ba-bam, that's it. Um, <laughs> having sex on your period also... People say, oh, it's fine. I'm safe. I'm on my period. Nope. You can get knocked up if you're on your period. Yeah, um, for sure. This next one is tied in with the jogging and the jumping. People think that you can't get knocked up if you're uh, having sex standing up. That is not true. I love how people uh, think and that also, is because of gravity. Uh, and also, I know, right? Like, gravity is not, I know, right? gravity is not, not that gravity powerful. Works. Uh, and lastly, if you have not had your first period yet, uh, this is not true. You can get pregnant even if you haven't had your first period yet. Ooh. Tell us more about that. Yeah. Okay, so um, because you ovulate in. for the first time, you ovulate for the first time before your first period. So if you have sex before your first period, mm -hmm. there's a small chance you can become pregnant. If you have sex in that window right before your first period, where you're already ovulating. Ah, I gets 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 gets. I never thought about that before. Yeah, I always had this idea that. You know, as long as you don't have your period, you cannot get pregnant. But I never thought of how that window of ovulation can actually be a pregnancy window as well. I really would hope not because that's a really young age. Even if you're a late bloomer. It is. Like 16 mm -hmm. maybe at most. So having your first time. Oh, I guess 16 is not so bad yeah. for your first time. Don't you like how your body has a built-in, like... 
failsafe of a week or two. Allegedly. Like we, we can, uh, we can conceive, but we won't let the world know until you know the first yeah. blood. Mm. I would love for that, like a e-games commentary when you bleed for the first time. First blood. <laughs> How are the, Can you walk? Can you walk us through that, please, Trisha? <laughs> like just when you're about to get it, because you cannot relate to this, Jibin, but maybe Kai. Around the time that you're about to have your first period like you're kind of waiting for it and you know it's coming but you don't know when so mm-hmm. it usually happens when you're out and it's the worst possible moment really i was more right because i was wearing a white dress when it happened so the first time you get your period so it would be great if you could just have like this little verbal warning first blood so you can run to the bathroom Okay, fine. You get a verbal warning, but it doesn't sound like that, and everyone can hear it. It sounds like this. First blood! Okay, fine. <laughs> Good compromise. All right, moving okay, on. Let's go to the next uh, sex myth before we go down this road. More of the sex myths. We were talking about the effectiveness of condoms earlier. Now, let's talk about condoms a little bit more. Um, everyone's always talking about, like, rip condoms and stuff like that. It's it's virtually a staple on in movies and TV, right? But how often do condoms actually rip? Turns out condoms are 98% effective at preventing pregnancy. And they're only the, and they're also the only method of birth control that also protects against most sexually transmitted infections. But like yeah, isn't that is just cool, like but, yeah. a form of like a form of condom cuz like like latex condoms can do that, but I've heard of like lambskin condoms, like Why vegan condoms for example. I've seen them around. Vegan? I've seen Wait, them. I've seen them on the internet. Like, vegan like parts for you. Like, they are made from vegan, like the long like, No, like I've seen like um, lambskin condoms at one point, and like vegan condoms in the sense that it's like it's 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 ecologically safer than latex. So like yeah, in terms of in terms of it being ninety eight percent effective, like is this? Is it like is is in terms of it being ninety eight percent effective? Is this like? Just latex condoms, or would you say this is like every type of condom in the market? Well, because it is no longer common practice to use sheep intestines as condoms, I'm guessing that for the purposes of this discussion, we're talking about latex condoms. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we'll stick to the kind you can buy at 7 Eleven. Joe Bim, maybe you can tell us. Somebody's asking, can you guys suggest a good brand? Ooh, okay, so here's the tricky thing about brands. Uh, One of the biggest reasons that condoms fail is because you don't have the right size or you're not using the right brand. So I'm glad you brought up brands. Usually guys will, you know, um, they'll, they'll puff themselves up and they'll get a condom that's way too big for them. They'll get magnums when you're just an average dude. And there's nothing wrong with being average, man, just... Just get the condoms that fit you right. Because a basic condom can stretch over someone's forearm without breaking. And certainly condoms should be comfortable, but there's no need to buy into Magnum marketing ploys. Most condoms should fit most penises. Uh, People are sometimes skeptical of free condoms or non-brand name condoms. In reality, a condom is a condom. Some might have fancier flavors or lubes, but there's no such thing as, quote unquote, a crappy condom. Just don't double bag them. Yeah, don't do Mm. that. It's yeah. not doubly safe. It's so much worse. You don't want... Why? Why? Because the okay, because friction... Because they cause friction. Stuck inside. 
So, Jabim, you're saying about friction. Okay, so, yeah, they cause friction. So, whereas normally the friction would be eliminated because it's your skin on latex on skin. And between each of those is a layer of lubricant. When you use two condoms, it's your skin on latex on latex on skin. And that latex on latex is going to get hot and it's going to tear and you're going to have a bad time. And a fast track to pregnancy. Jebem, you still there? What about reusing a condom? Is that something that... Oh, God, why? Oh, no, because I've condoms. heard of no, people do not doing reuse that. Condoms. I just want to just, know. Like... So Tress is asking what double bag is. So Double bagging bag is when you use two condoms on your penis. So instead of just one condom, the normal way and the appropriate way, you put two because some people think it's safer. Because if one condom's safe, why wouldn't two? But or if you that. want to be really crude, there's another definition for double bagging, and that's when your partner is so ugly, you put a condom on their penis and a bag over their face. Ooh. Jobim one, podcast zero. <laughs> All right. So what other we got? What other myths? Okay. Uh, you often hear that, oh, uh, especially now that uh, it's way more accepted to be dating somebody with a huge age gap. Um, you often see older women dating younger men, and the reason that you hear people saying is that women hit their sexual peak at a different age than men. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women are like in their 20s to 30s. No. Yeah. So what do you guys think about that theory? Do you agree with it? It's Bamba Clap. <laughs> no. I mean, like, I, I, this makes me think of like the idea of having someone be good at sex. You know, how, what, how can you say that, like, someone's inherently good at sex when everyone's needs and wants differ? So what might work for one person might not work for someone else, no matter what your age is. What is a sexual peak? Oh, absolutely. An age? Like, when you say you hit your sexual peak, what does that mean? Is that, like, you have the best sex of your life? You have the most sex? Okay, so, yeah. want to have sex the- with you? The reason this is a myth is that, okay, so you know that bit of information that, oh, humans only use 10% of their brains, and if we unlock the other 90%, then we can walk through walls and shit. That's old misinformation based on, you know, um, from the early 20th century when doctors would open up people's skulls and then touch one part of the brain and see how much it would make the body move. And they thought, well, wow, if one tiny part of the brain can do that much, then we must only be using 10% of our brains. So it's that sort of dime store um, academia that's been passed passed on from generation to generation that's, that's caused this misinformation. And that different sexual peak thing is no different. It, uh, it comes from sexual studies from the 1960s where uh, the number of orgasms people would have over the course of their life was measured and it was found that men in their early 20s would have more orgasms than men in their mid-30s and late 40s. And women who were in their, let's say, mid were having the most orgasms because by that time in their lives were the most familiar with their bodies, right? So it's just small snippets of misinformation that people have taken to, to mean one whole other thing, but it's a complete myth. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sexual peak as in just orgasms, really? Yeah, so it was once thought that because women... 
yeah, when, at one point in your life, you're having the most orgasm. So because um, psycho- early psychologists thought, you know, um, young men are having more orgasms early in life and women are having more orgasms later on in life, then their quote unquote peaks must be different when that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I would really hope that this isn't my peak. I'm having a good time, but I don't want it to be my peak. I would love to just have it get better. That would be awesome. Nobody nobody ever wants to think it's their peak, which, okay, which brings us to our next sex myth, right? Is that uh, old people don't have sex. What's an old person? What's an old person? Yeah. Seniors. Okay. So like 65 up. Uh, 60 and up. I would think okay. the amount of granny porn says that's probably not true. Yeah, but are mm-hmm. you so sure that mm-hmm. it's people from that age group that are watching granny porn and not young dudes with a fetish? To be fair, most of the partners in granny porn are young men, so you have a point there. Yeah. What makes you think that old people aren't watching young people fuck? That's good. I wouldn't... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if I was 65 years old, I would have a... I don't. I wouldn't know about the ethics of watching a twenty-year-old fucking. <laughs> there's an old. There's an old joke that goes. Uh, uh, people think that uh, the elderly don't have sex. That the sex drive is gone. Well, that's that's simply not true. The first to go is your eyesight, then your sense of hearing, and then your sense of smell. So at eighty years old, you'll still be having sex. You just don't know with who. Oh lord. So yeah, I mean, old like people do time. have a lot of sex. And the, the thing like is, party. they have a lot of sex because, A, old people tend to live close together. They live in community homes they, or, or they, they tend to live near their friends. And B, because they can't get pregnant anymore, old people go nuts. They have so many pills to get their, their things working and their, their plumbing uh, in, in working order that they just go around having sex with little no consequences. Yeah, I, I remember reading that gonorrhea was a really big problem in retirement communities because they don't use condoms anymore. Hmm. So they're just having sex and propagating sexually transmitted infections because they're like, well, you know what? We, we can't get pregnant. We're old. There's probably a lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah, dude, they just take out their teeth and just, you know, slide into one another and stuff. I think that's great though because we, we always look at old people and we don't want to see them as sexual. But it's right. incredibly healthy. I mean, I try not to. <laughs> and <laughs> well, it's just because, like, as you get older, sometimes people think that you can't be sexual anymore because you're too old for that and because you don't want to see old people as sexual. But when you get to that age, you realize right. that you're basically just the same. Just kind of like slightly wrinklier and with yeah. gray hair. And I think it's good and I that, think like, that old, you know, you, we yeah. remind ourselves that sexuality is really a part of our identity from when we are children to when we are really old, Deba. And I think we just tend to, we tend to, in relation to what Trisha was saying, we tend to box in people in terms uh, boxing people in terms of their age group and forget that sexuality is such a big aspect of your entire lifetime right and i think it's also a generational thing because in older generations 
you weren't really taught that being sexy was a thing you had to do or could be when you got older, right? We, we right, older right. generations kind of fall into this more statesmanly or matronly position in life as they get older. Cause that's what they were taught. That's what they were used to. But then now you have these right. younger generations of people who do know what it was like to be young and sexy and to flaunt their sexuality. And now they're getting older and they're, they're bringing that with them into, into seniority. Right. That's super great. Good for them. I can't wait to be an awesome. old 80 year old woman with my tits hanging out and they're like on the floor already. <laughs> <laughs> Just kicking them away. Just like throwing them over my shoulder. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, next uh, sex myth. I have to get your your opinion, ladies. This is. I think this one has been around since the first man and woman. Is penis size okay. important? No. Well, let's put this one to bed. No. What do you think? For me, skill is important. It's how you use your penis <laughs> that matters to me. I don't give a fuck if it's three or six or eight. Or whatever the girth is. What matters to me. Yeah, or zero. You know, just you have to know how to use it. That's what I that's what I believe in. Yeah, so uh, I've I've slept with guys who are objectively gay big. And I was gonna say gigantic but big at the same time. And they were like the worst at sex. Why? It was because they relied so much on their penis. They were like, I have a big penis, I don't need to do anything. And no, you do have to do something. Because if you're not doing anything, I can't, I, there's nothing. Like, sure, it's full, but that's it. That's <laughs> all it is. <laughs> that's the best way I've ever heard anyone describe a fat dick. Like, sure, it's full. <laughs> it's full. <laughs> and I've had sex with guys who are like guess. four inches, and it was amazing. You know why? Right. Because the four-inch dude and is trying his damn hardest. That's why. Exactly. Because there's effort and enthusiasm. Well, then again, I'm kind of biased because, like, sex, like, intercourse does not turn me on. It's more of the eroticism that goes around, like, you know, what's happening. So I feel like you can have, like, the biggest dick, but if you're just gonna, like, pump and dump, I'm not gonna feel it. Like, it ha- there has to be some shit happening around that makes me, you know get it going or something i don't know something like that you know i don't know that's just me right right uh, that's just me so so like where do you I guys like think this this obsession I, with size comes from porn no i think before that i mean I th- wouldn't it be the same to ask where our obsession with big breasts come from that one's allegedly an evolutionary thing then shouldn't it be an evolutionary thing too is it because I'm not particularly attracted no, to No, because penis. having a having a big penis doesn't necessarily doesn't re- relay any information about being able to be a good provider. More. <laughs> yeah, what if you what if you're an ugly ass piece of shit who doesn't look like he can he has good genes at all, but you have a huge schlong? No one's gonna go, hmm, I want that inferior DNA far up inside my uterus. I think we need to get a history person on here to tell us if old tiny people I are obsessed see it, with big dicks. I think it's like what like what Presh said. It's a little bit like maybe evolutionary, maybe like um the way I see it, maybe it was like 
something that had to do uh, with showing off male dominance, maybe like in prehistoric ages and kind of like carried on to like the machismo culture that we have. Swinging it around. I have the dominant dick. That we don't see that that uh, sort of using the penis as um, a si- the size of a penis as, as a form of virility in any other species. In fact, the mating displays of other animals um, have to do with like how big you you are or how how powerful you are. It's never like look at how fucking huge my cock is, right? What evolutionary purpose would having a huge cock serve? None. I think really. I'm sounding really defensive right now. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we do as a species. Maybe like big penises. I don't know, but porn has just made it ridiculous. Like people with ten inch penises. If I saw a ten inch penis in real life, I would run away. Okay, so Trisha and I have had this conversation many times. Porn is to little boys. Uh, and to little girls, I'm sure, to, to, a, to a degree, what Disney films are to young girls. Because they give us these unrealistic expectations of what sex is supposed to be like. In fact, real sex is seldom, seldom ever like the sex you see in a porno. And if it is, I think you should be worried a little bit, quite frankly. <laughs> Especially if it's your first time and your partner's like, this is called buffering. You don't want to be that oh. in that relationship. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's just porn setting extremely unrealistic expectations. And it's like representation, right? We talk about representation. And we don't talk about average dick representation in porn often enough because you think, Mm. well, if there are this Mm -hmm. many guys in the world with penises that big, I must be the freak, right? Right. I would love more average penis um, porn. Yeah, exactly. Same here. Like, I saw this, um, speaking of which, I saw this ad... I saw this ad. I think it was New Zealand who did the ad or New, or the Netherlands or something like that. Um, basically, it was two porn stars. They come into like, they, they come into this house. And they're like, hi, is your son home? And then the mom is like, oh, who are you guys? He's like, he, and like the, the, and yeah. And then the, 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 the porn stars go, oh, your son watches us on his laptop. And we, we came here to tell him that it's not what they, what he should be what he should be like, you know, gearing his sex life after. So the whole message of the ad was basically like, talk to your kids about porn and talk to your kids about how porn is not the reality. And there was even the snippet in the ad where they're like, hi, to the kid. They're like, hi, it's us. This is not us on a daily basis, but hi. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to have those conversations, like to tell like, you know, porn isn't what sex should be. Because, I mean, parents talk to their kids all the time about, you know, when you go to the movies and you go, you know, that's not how you're supposed to drive in real life. Right. That's just Vin Diesel. But nobody (laughs) talks to their kid about like, you know, don't don't put it in a girl's butt and then into her vagina and then into her butt and then into her vagina. That's just a thing they do. in It's taboo. It's taboo. It's disgusting. I mean, no, I mean, like, talking about... Right. Oh, okay. I thought you meant putting... No, no, just talking about (laughs) sex in general. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, don't do that. No, but speaking talk of which, like, yeah, you should talk to your kids about porn. Like, speaking of butt stuff. Like, I had this whole idea when I was younger that if I get fucked in the ass, I'm still a virgin because I didn't get fucked in the pussy. And that, you know, that oh, really, that that really stuck popular. with me. That really stuck with We're me. We're going to go over that for a minute. 
until you realize like virginity is a scam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, one one last quick bit about the penis thing, and then we'll move on, move on to the next sex myth. Um, apparently, this whole penis size thing is such a problem that it causes like some some form of body dysmorphia in most men to the point where it affects sexual performance across the board. Okay, there are studies coming from like 2006 and 2010 that show that body image affects sexual function mainly through the thoughts that dominate during contact. Uh, contact. That is, when concerns regarding the body are so intense that they distract attention from sexual stimuli, it is very possible that satisfaction will decrease and dysfunction may appear. I'm talking about erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, I have a headache, that sort of thing. Um, whereas, okay, so penis length is actually determined by numerous factors, mainly racial. So it's it's really just up to your, I mean, I hate to say the color of your skin, but the color of your skin. Uh, penis length when... Yeah. yeah, your genetics. That's a better way to put it. <laughs> penis length when erect ranges from 11 to 15 uh, centimeters. So it's pathologically small or it's like freakishly small. You should be worried if it's less than seven centimeters in length. OK, because that is the average length of a vaginal canal. I don't know what that is. Uh, that yeah. is in inches. Two, two and a half. But yeah, two and a half inches yeah, so- is all the vaginal canal is. Yeah. Like if you put I mean, your fingers I, uh, in there, there's not much you can go. I don't know what to say to guys who have who, who are afraid that they have small penises. They're like, oh, I have a four inch, five inch penis. I, I, I feel inadequate. When, I mean, I'm willing to bet you that you've given women more intense orgasms by fingering her than you ever have with your dick. And that's way smaller and thinner than your penis. So what are you worried about? Yeah. And if you mm-hmm. really can't pleasure someone with that size because of, I don't know, flexibility logistics placement of bodies sex toys like that's totally fine to incorporate in the bedroom honestly the moment your partner's orgasming they're not going to give a shit about all the other crap Mm -hmm. because you can give them an orgasm that's what matters (laughs) some people can't do that oh there's so many related topics that's true that is true Okay, which brings us to, like, yeah, uh, Trisha mentioned orgasms. Another common sex myth is that women uh, have sex with the intention of having an orgasm or, like, that they, they need to come every time they have sex. I honestly don't know where this myth is coming from because men are notoriously bad at making women come. Yeah, men are notoriously bad at making women come, but that's always the joke, isn't it? That you, yeah. haha, you didn't make her come. Therefore, you didn't really have sex. Or you didn't perform as a man. Okay, too. That, that's a bit unfair. Right. Okay. It would be nice to orgasm. But it's always used as like a punchline. I think because evolutionary. As women, though. Like for survival, uh-huh. we just need the man to come. And that's what propagates like our genes or whatever. But then, right? We don't really need the woman to come for our species to survive. That's what I'm thinking. Right. So, like, I feel like there's this no. Pressure. But uh, um, as women, though, hmm. uh, is it true that sometimes when you want to engage in sexual activity, when you want to have sex, you're not always looking to come. Sometimes you just want to feel good. Sometimes you just want to have sex without having to get to the point of orgasm. I think it's just. It's, I think it's. 
personally, it's just, oh no. Because <laughs> um, when you're kind of conditioned to know that you're not going to come, it's kind of just like, okay, I just want to have a good time. But then, like, I think it's just the conditioning of, oh, men are not gonna make men are not good at making women so come. tanggapin mo na lang tanggapin mo na lang like that's it just go, go in for like a good time done like don't expect anything parang I think it's a conditioning part of it so you have like yeah. uh, like a Pavlovian experience with orgasms where you're just like oh it's a man I don't expect to come today <laughs> sorry the but cat. if it's a woman your proverbial dog is salivating alright yeah Sorry, the kitty decided to right. step in the Mojo. video. Oh. This is the cat. Oh, okay. using claws. <laughs> okay, so anyway, we're talking about orgasms before the other pussy in the room decided to step in. <laughs> yeah, I... On the one hand, I don't expect from men, especially. <laughs> but from anyone, honestly. I don't expect anyone to give me an orgasm, especially if it's the first time that we're having sex. Because... You know, you probably don't know what I like. So part of it's that conditioning, but I also don't actually care all the time. Yeah. There are times when, yeah, all I want to do is get off. Yeah. But sometimes, Mm -hmm. probably more often than not, it's just, this is fun. This is tense. Let's explore it. Yeah. Like, for me, Naman, like, I think, like, orgasms aren't, like, the end goal. I think the goal is really the experience with my partner at the moment. Like, well, what am I, like, how are we connecting at this very moment? And orgasm is a bonus, sure, but then it's not really, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, nullify the fact that we had sex. Because I'm, like, I feel like a lot of, like, the idea that it's only sex if a girl comes is, just really makes it Makes the experience so much, like makes the experience seem so much cheaper because it doesn't take into account the fact that there were so many things that happened here, diba? But then it doesn't matter because she didn't come. Parang parang may malay. But also like added to like the whole discussion of like orgasms. Do you think that orgasms happen more? in your head than they do in your genitals. Like, I don't know. The Absolutely. Parang mas contextual. Like, orgasms are more contextual than they are what's happening. Like, for me, like, for example, like, I can have, I can have someone, like, just straight up come eat me out. But then, if it's happening in a context where, like, you know, it was built up to that, or it right. was, it, this is just me. I just feel as though, like, the context matters so much into right. how an orgasm happens. Like, what's happening in my head, like, adds to the orgasmic experience more than just the experience in itself. I don't know. What I do agree to that 100%. That? 110%. I am, so, I am so particular about my <laughs> orgasms, dude. Like, there's so many different things that go into what kind of orgasm I will have mm-hmm. that I, I know I can give myself different kinds of orgasms by using different kinds of lube, by watching different kinds of porn, um, how much sleep I've gotten, how mu- uh, how soon before or after I eat, I've done it. There's so many things that go into like uh, what the quality of your orgasm. I'm really anal about it. I mean, I'm really particular about it. 
There are like you know, there's this term I read somewhere. It was it's, it's this term that goes sax jocks. Basically, it's sax tong jokol. And I'm like, I get that. Yes. Where it's like you sax jocks. So where it's like sax tong like basically it's like you know, yung mga tibong gusto balang pampatulog. Like you just jack off to sleep. Yung parang I think the same. Alright, I get that. But it's not like mind blowing orgasm. Gets? I yeah. get that. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to get off. Yeah. And it's just like right, right, right. You're almost pure physical stimulation, like obviously it's right. a mental part because it's hard to come if you're not in the right mindset. But it becomes like a purely mm-hmm. physical experience rather than the kind of orgasm that you have when you're like really taking care of it, and it becomes mm-hmm. extremely sensual and mm. I would dare say spiritual. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm, what Tantra is mm-hmm, all about, mm-hmm, actually. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I've been writing a yeah. lot of articles about Tantra <laughs> for my work, so. No, you definitely build a good orgasm. The same way that you build a fire. You don't, you know, you can't just light a fire and then throw a bunch of sticks on it and expect it to burn well. You have to build it from from tinder Correct. and then sticks and then logs, right? So uh, an orgasm is definitely something you have to tend to. All right, uh, moving on down to, okay, I think we, we have time for two more sex myths. All right. Let's go. Last two sex myths. Um, well, this is the second to the last one because it is so popular. And I think it's popular because people just want to believe it. It's kind of like um, how they say drinking beer helps with spicy stuff. It doesn't. But everyone wants to think that something with alcohol will help spicy food, right? Sex burns mad calories. How many times have you heard that? A million. Tons of times. I wish it was true. I tend to believe that. I mean, I know it's not exactly like the truest thing. But for me, it's like, you know what? I don't, this is going to be my workout for the fucking week. Kai, you and I'm I proud have of sex that. very, proud very of that. differently. Yeah, I guess it depends on how you have sex. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm thinking Kai has right. like freaking acrobatic, right. like swinging from the rafters sex where she burns like a thousand calories. She's using her core to help. Like raise everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm more like a starfish <laughs> on Valium. This is why I've been hard at work at my yoga. <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay, good for you. <laughs> so everybody, everyone here is that you know, sex burns calories. Um, no, okay, okay. Yeah, the truth is, experts estimate. Yeah. Okay, so I was I was just thinking about how sex tires you out though. That's cardio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And cardio doesn't burn a lot of calories. But cardio is exercise. But have you ever tried to lose a hundred calories while running? It takes a million years. So it burns calories, but not mad calories. Okay, not mad you know what? calories. Jobin, what do you have to say about that? All right. Experts estimate 30 minutes of sex burns 85 to 150 calories. I don't know when the last time you guys had sex for 30 minutes, oh, but I was maybe sex? like 16. We're lesbians, Jobim. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry. No. Talking to the wrong people. 30 minutes is a good You can have sex for days. So yeah, theoretically, you need to burn about 3,500 calories to lose a pound of body weight. So if you were using up to 100 calories every time you... Yeah, using up to 100 calories every time you had sex, you could lose one pound if you had sex 35 times. A day? Or at all? No, for every 35 times you have sex, you lose a pound. The problem That's if you have sex... That's if you have sex for 30 minutes each time instead the average duration of sex is closer to five minutes so in fact the biggest increase in your heart rate and blood pressure during sex 
only occurs for about 15 seconds during orgasm. And then things quickly return back to normal. So when you say sex uh, makes you run out of breath and stuff like that, it doesn't really. It's only the last 15 seconds of sex that makes you feel that way. What is this five minutes bullshit? That's average. Uh, sex that's, with minutes. heterosexual sex? Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing this is heterosexual sex. Five minutes is just like yeah. one-tenth of oral. Pretty sure. That's... You guys are laughing <laughs> and about half our male listeners have just gone five minutes. That's twice as long as I normally go. Oh no, this is why we need a no, male but like, voice on this podcast, Japan. Yeah, too much energy. <laughs> so if you have sex 35 times and you're losing 100 calories every time you had sex, is this like, what if someone, like, okay, let's say you're, you're doing doggy and someone's mm-hmm. like behind and just working at, like, does the person, does the receiver lose the same amount of calories? Like, or, oh, like, or is the 100 pounds, pa- Right? Is the 100 calories, like, because of the orgasm? Or is the person doing the work, like, losing more? Or is the person doing the work losing the 100 calories? Good question. That's true. What if I'm only going down on somebody, and that's still technically sex, and I go down on her for 30 minutes, and I'm only using my tongue for 30 minutes? Did I burn 100 calories from just flicking my tongue? (laughs) It's quite a workout. My jaw is It is a workout. It is a fucking workout. Mm. Like, it's not just your thumb, Jobim. It's also your jaw. Well, I don't know how you do it, it. but I'm not opening and closing my jaw the entire time. (laughs) I'm not like a nutcracker going crazy down there. (laughs) I, 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 I. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and our our last but not least, I saved um, our last myth. As, uh, for, in my opinion, our, our most important myth of this episode. We might have to have a part two because there are just so many myths. Um, but for tonight, I wanted to close with this one. And I think it's really relevant. Be- being attracted to someone trans makes you gay. Oh. oh, it's very contentious. So, like, for example, you are a cis woman. Male. Or, yeah. Wait, man. Okay. okay, fine. Cis woman. You're a cis man. And you like a trans woman or trans man? Mm-hmm. Trans woman. Okay, so you're a cis man who likes a trans woman. This myth is that it makes you gay. Yeah. Okay, I get it now. <laughs> well, then, what, what do you yeah, guys think? fuck that. Fuck that noise. So, does it make you gay? No. Because you like... No, it does so, not. From... Okay, if you were, if you were born male... And you identify mm-hmm. as male, and mm-hmm. you are attracted to a trans woman. That makes mm-hmm. you straight. But if yes, you were born male, you identify as male, and you are attracted to a trans man, that makes you either bi or gay. What is a trans mm-hmm. woman? What is a trans man? A trans woman is someone. I think. Yeah. Uh, Born, like, biologically considered male, mm-hmm. but is a woman. Okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bother with uh, what they were born as, but more yeah. with what they identify as. Somebody who identifies as female yes. is a trans female, and somebody who identifies as male is a trans male. But I would be a cis female. Yeah, yeah, yeah unless you're cis. Unless like, you're cis. You are, your, your body is considered like biologically of the gender that you don't identify with 
Yeah. Because like um, some non-binary people consider themselves trans. Okay. Yep. As well. Right. So right. it's just your gender so, trans aligned with the physical <laughs> thing. So they're both gender identities. So when you say you're cis, when you're cisgender, it basically means like if I have a if I have a, if I was born with a vagina and I identify with that vagina, I'm cis. But for example, I was born with a vagina, but I don't identify yeah. with it. That means I'm trans. Mm. Gen, parang, yeah, cis make people it, are basically the normies. I mean, it's of so sexuality. much more complex than that. But yeah, so if you are a cis man who likes a trans woman, yeah. she's a mm-hmm. woman. So yeah, that doesn't make you gay exactly. at all. Well, okay, so uh, let me just read to you what I found online. Cisgender men attracted to transgender women primarily identify as heterosexual and sometimes as bisexual, but rarely as homosexual. Sexual arousal research has confirmed that their response patterns are unlike those of gay men and resemble those of heterosexual men, except that they are highly aroused by transgender women in addition to cisgender women. So I think what, uh, what the, the findings show is that men are attracted to um, a presentation, if you will, a way of presenting. And you so see this it, a lot. Like, yeah, you so, do. Um, you do see this a lot. For example, you're a homophobic, transphobic dude. You see a woman and you're immediately attracted to her because you read her as a woman. Yeah. And then you later exactly. find out that she's trans yeah. and then it suddenly changes your whole perception, but it doesn't negate the original attraction. Right. So yeah, it, it's, uh, in exactly, fact, that's, exactly. isn't that where a lot of the hatred from, uh, for trans people come from, comes from is that people feel fooled. Because, you know, they, they become attracted to somebody and then there's that stupid fucking voice in their head that goes, oh, you're not supposed to be attracted to that person. They have the wrong set of genitals. And it's okay to not like a certain set of genitals. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's up to you. It doesn't make you transphobic or mm-hmm. homophobic to not like genitals. It yes. does make you transphobic <laughs> if you associate genitals with gender. Like that, that's where the line is. Exactly. I have a question. Why yeah. shouldn't genitals be associated with gender? Because they have nothing to do with your gender. Why not? Like, they're just body parts. It doesn't change who you are inside. It's kind of, for me, it's kind of like associating somebody with their skin color. It doesn't come to define you. It's, it's a feature of you as a human being. So, so gender does not come with biology, is that, that's what you're saying? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's the whole argument that TERFs have, right? Is that because they're not real women, then they can't really be considered women. But the argument that, that uh, LGBTQA advocates are making is that they are women because that is their identity outside of their, uh, outside of their biological gender. You know, trans women are women, trans men are men. So if you're a man who likes another man, then you're a a man who likes men. Like, that's it. You're not... Just because they have a certain set of genitals or were declared, you know, medically female when they were born. Right. That doesn't make the object of your affection any less a man. 
mm-hmm. that particular right. example. I mean, it presupposes that a penis or a vagina is inherently masculine and or feminine. Mm. It's an organ. <laughs> it's, a f- yeah. it's a piece of flesh, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where why are we gendering organs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and of course, other people will hear that and, and think that's ridiculous. Organs are, are right. our gender. And that's why it's important to have this conversation because right. a lot of people don't see eye to eye on that. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And like even male to female, like it's not just male, female, trans. There's mm-hmm. so much diversity in between that spectrum. And it's not even like a line. It's kind of like a 3D space. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like some people might be intersex. Some people might be like agender. So they don't really feel anything because they don't really connect with either man or woman. Because yeah. if you think about it, man, women, like that's just arbitrary categories. Right, right. That we've decided to like, oh, and like you, you know, have dangly bit, you yeah. don't have dangly bit. Yeah, man, man. We're just going to separate that. But biological diversity is insane. You know, like, sure, most people have either a penis or a vagina, but there's just a whole lot of possibilities and combinations there. I think we're just now beginning to right. scratch the surface of like the psychology, but really understanding identity you know it was only up up until recently homosexuality was considered um a mental illness by the american mental health association right so we've we've just broken down the doors to understanding uh gender fluidity and sexuality and all that stuff and i it's right pretty right. cool that we we get to be around to to experience it it's quite a time. and just to expand what trisha said like I feel as though it's more of a constellation than it is a spectrum mm. of gender identity and like your Ooh, sexuality. A constellation. You. Different spectra. <laughs> and this is this different spectra where it's like, you know, for example, like when you, like I, ha- I had the hardest time trying to figure out if I'm bisexual or if I'm a lesbian. I realized I'm bisexual but homoromantic in the sense that I can have sex with men and women but I can only fall in love with women. And you know, like, where do you it's not the common thing to say like you know like when you say you're bisexual people assume that you have you have sex and fall in love with men and women mm-hmm. whereas with me it's like i don't i could have sex with men and women i just don't fall in love with men i mean i tried but you know it doesn't work so in that sense it's not you just one spectrum of like different things it's different spectra and you have it just connects as a constellation in my head because like for me at least I'm more attracted to femininity than anything else. It doesn't matter if it if it comes from a woman or a man. You know? It's mm. it's just that aspect of femininity that I'm attracted to. So when 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 I kind of start right. coming into terms with my sexuality, I th- I asked myself, Am I bisexual? And I thought like yes, I guess I guess that I am. But 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 I didn't feel like it was the correct thing. Like, it, I felt, like, a little bit disconnected by the term bisexual, even until now. But I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying about it's, it's a consolation. Because there's, because we come from a binary, and then there's a spectrum, and now there's a consolation. It's, it's, it's fun weird. It's right. Fun weird. And, and that's why it's beautiful, right? It's because it's weird. That's why it's beautiful. I think the biggest myth of all is thinking we can box people into extremely narrow binary categories. 
Right, yeah. Experience right. So exactly. Like when you try to put people in a black and white type of situation when it's really so much more. Well, I, I really think that um, understanding sexuality and this conversation around gender identity is still so young. It's really just in its infancy. This school of thought, I mean, talking about this academically and taking it seriously has only been around since, like, what, the 60s? Mm. So what, that's uh, 46, it's only been around for around 60 years. The whole psychology behind it is still so young. We're only beginning to peel back the first few layers. So we're just coming from, you know, binary and, and spectrum. And then who knows? Who knows how much more diverse uh, we're going to go, how much more we're going to find and explore. The more and more we accept these things instead of debate whether or not they are valid. I'm so excited. Can we fast forward? All right. <laughs> COVID's probably over by that time, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on, on that very uplifting and woke-ish note, um, I think that's a good that's a good place to end tonight's episode. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think we've done a lot of sex myths today, but I think we have more. So maybe we'll do a part two in the future. No, yes. Uh, not next week because we have another topic for next week, which we will reveal in a couple of days. So make sure you watch out for that. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're on Spotify. Wow, can you believe? Can you believe that? You believe I feel that? so legit. So yeah, just follow us everywhere and you'll learn what the next topic is very, very soon. I don't even know what it is. And I'm the producer. <laughs> we don't tell her anything. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I come in blind every single time. Lips the topic today sealed. is this. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So do you guys want to plug anything while we're wrapping this up? You know, if you got some Twitters, people might want to follow. You know, plug that. Joe Bam, don't you have a show? Like, oh, yeah. I guess day? follow me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I also have a radio show. Shit, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, wow. Guys, listen to my radio show. Uh, I have a morning show called The Morning Show Morning Show on Jam 88.3. And it's on from like sometime in the morning to another time in the morning. I'm really not sure what time it starts. 10, 10 to 11. Yep. 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. I'm super right. responsible. That's great. <laughs> what about you, Kai? I'm good. Nothing to plug. Well, let just follow her on Twitter. She's a hoot. She plugged for me. <laughs> What's your Twitter? <laughs> XOX, XOX Kai. On Twitter and Instagram. Not plug in. 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 All right, guys. So it's getting a bit late. Uh, we're going to wrap this up again very, very badly. See you guys next week. Same time. Same place, same hose. <laughs>